Our scripture reading for today is Genesis 9, 1 through 17. God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. The fear and dread of you shall rest on every animal of the earth and on every bird of the air, on everything that creeps on the ground and on all the fish of the sea. Into your hand they are delivered. Every moving thing that lives shall be food for you. And just as I gave you the green plants, I give you everything. Only you shall not eat flesh with its life, that is, its blood. For your own lifeblood, I will re surely require a reckoning. From every animal, I will, I will require it, and from human beings, each one for the blood of another. I will require a reckoning for human life. Whoever sheds the blood of a human, by a human shall that person's blood be shed. For in his own image, God made humankind. And you, be fruitful and multiply, abound on the earth and multiply in it. Then God said to Noah and to his sons with him, As for me, I am establishing my covenant with you and your descendants after you, and with every living creature that is with you, the birds, the domestic animals, and every animal of the earth with you, as many as came out of the ark. I establish my covenant with you, that never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of a flood, and never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. God said, This is the kind of covenant that I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for all future generations. I have set my bow in the clouds, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. When I bring clouds over the earth and the bow is seen in the clouds, I will remember my covenant that is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh, and the waters shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. When the bow is in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. God said to Noah, This is the sign of the covenant that I have established between me and all flesh that is on the earth. Let us pray. God, thank you for showing us how to live. Thank you for giving us instruction on what pleases you. Lord, thank you for being our advocate rather than our adversary. Lord, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts will be acceptable in your sight. O oh Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. God created people to act a certain way. When they didn't, God punished. God created Adam and Eve to be loyal friends. God gave them only one commandment. Just don't eat from that one tree. Don't eat from the tree. Well, Adam and Eve rebelled. They broke the only law in existence. And it's a law that only existed to prove their love for God. They just had one rule. They couldn't follow it. They broke it. They didn't do as God said. And so God punished. God, there was expulsion from the garden. He kicked Adam and Eve out of the garden. Uh, on top of that, uh, God said to Adam that he would only get fruit by the toil of his, by the toil and sweat of his, of his work. That work would become hard. He said to Eve that she would have to endure pain in childbirth. Ultimately, they would both face death. So people misbehaved. People didn't behave like God wanted them to behave, and so punishment came. And so began an adversarial relationship. God creates for a reason, sometimes ambiguous. When people violate God's intention, God punishes. It happens again immediately in the text. Cain kills Abel, and Cain's banished. Cain commits the first murder, and 
because of it, God sends him away and marks him. And, and so he is no longer a part of the family. Now, understand there's no law against murder at this point. God has not given that commandment. It won't come until the next book. In fact, the only law given in the first eight chapters of the Bible is don't eat from the tree. That's it. There are no other instructions about how people ought to live. Just don't eat from the tree. God never offers further instruction. Uh, God seems to prefer a standard of behavior, but he doesn't spell it out. Genesis 6 tells us that every thought of humans was to do evil continually. So by the time we are ready for the flood, uh, everyone is running around doing evil, but they are breaking laws that really don't yet exist. No evil has been defined. The only thing we really know about the evil is that it was violent. And so this adversarial relationship continues. God is the almighty creator with certain undisclosed intentions for creation. The intentions are ambiguous through six chapters. When God doesn't like the outcome, God destroys. The intention of everyone's heart was to do evil continually. And so God destroyed. God sent a flood. And only Noah and, his, and a few animals and Noah's family survive. Then after the flood, God offers a promise, a one-sided covenant. God will honor the covenant regardless of what people do. God finally gives some instruction to the people about how to live. Uh, he says, treat one another like they're the image of God. Don't murder. If you kill someone, then someone will have to kill you as judgment. Uh, and God gives the animals for food, but he instructs them not to eat the meat with the blood still in it. That's, that's the life of the animal. And so God forbids that. So finally, God begins to tell people a little bit of what's expected for them. Uh, this Noahide covenant is really the first well-formulated covenant in the Bible and the only covenant in the Old Testament that is made with the entire world. Now I have to wonder, why was it necessary for God to have to tell us to treat one another right? Did we really need a law against murder? Couldn't we figure out that we shouldn't kill one another? Uh, apparently not, because murders happened before the flood. And God finally had to step in and to give us that instruction, don't murder. The fact that God had to spell it out tells us something about ourselves that we might not want to admit. Regardless of our proclivity towards evil, though, God promises to set aside the bow. Now, we always interpret that as rainbow, and certainly the rainbow is a sign of this covenant for us, but the text just says bow. I wonder if it could also mean the archer's bow. Now, God has set this rainbow in the sky as a reminder, but is he also said that he set aside the archer's bow, that, uh, that God will not be in a position of attacking any longer. Either way, in this covenant, God shifts from an adversary to an advocate. God shifts from adversary to advocate. From, I'll get you if you do wrong, to, I'll protect you, even though you struggle. God created a reminder of the new relationship, the rainbow. That reminder is not just for God, it's a helpful reminder to us as well. When we see the rainbow, God reminds us to treat one another, that's everyone, 
as the image of God, that we're to treat all people as the image of God, not because their behavior warrants it. We don't just treat people right because they do right. Our behavior doesn't warrant that. Our behavior doesn't earn us God's approval, and yet God promised anyway. God knew we would continue to be bad, that we would continue to be evil, that we would continue to work against him, and yet God promised anyway. Well, we we have to offer others what God offers us. Our promise to other people to live at peace, to respect them, to treat them as the image of God doesn't depend on their behavior, but on God's goodness. When we see the rainbow, we remember God as our protector, our advocate, rather than our adversary. But the rainbow reminds us also to be advocates for others rather than adversaries. God's role with us is as an advocate, and God calls us then to be advocates with those in the world around us. Our calling is not to judge and to condemn, but to welcome, to affirm, and to protect. Well, Noah's family didn't do so well. It only takes a couple of chapters for the whole creation to fall apart again. Once again, people are being disobedient. They're not living the way that God has called them to live. And once again, God has to act. But this time, there's no punishment. This time, there's no destruction. Sure, God confuses the languages. God divides up the people to get them to go where he wanted them to go. But, but there's, no, uh, there's no flood. There's no destruction. Instead, God starts a relationship with a family of a man named Abraham. Through Abraham, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. So let's just recap this a little bit. In Genesis chapter 6, everybody's intention was to do evil continually, and so God's response was flood, to destroy everybody. But now in Genesis 11, people are being disobedient again. They're choosing their own way. They're they're setting themselves up as their own gods, and God's God's response this time is not destruction, but blessing. I'm going to work through this one family of Abraham to make sure that all the nations of the earth, all of these rebellious, struggling nations of the earth are blessed. Wow. In too many ways, our culture seems to be falling apart even now. Maybe it's time for us to renew our relationship with God and one another. Maybe it's time for us to remember the rainbow, to remember the promise of that covenant, that we will live in relationship with others, that we will honor the dignity of others, that we will treat one another as the images of God that we are. If we can learn the way of love, God might just use that love to, once again, bless all the nations of the earth.